from the enterprise team at Zoho, this is Business Unusual, the show about companies and their leaders who have achieved success by doing things their way. I'm Arun Srinivasan. And I'm Austin Reese. As your host, we'll be taking you through stories you've never heard, or stories you thought you knew, of entrepreneurs and business leaders who succeeded on their own terms, outside conventional business wisdom. And welcome back to season two of Business Unusual. Austin, I know you and I have both done a lot of work prepping for this season, and we have something a little different coming at you for this season two here. Yeah, you hinted at it a little bit there at the end of season one. You mentioned that we're going to be focusing on a specific part of the country. More specifically, we're focusing on the city of Austin, where Zoho has moved its headquarters in the past few years, where I am currently. And we're excited to uh, look into some of the companies that were, were born and bred here in Austin and that still have a major presence. Yeah. And, and specifically, I know both of us, when we we're kind of diving into the research, we really were looking for, again, companies that embody this business unusual mantra of doing things differently and really having explosive results as a result of doing things against the grain and different than sort of the normal executive or CEO would do. Yeah. Austin really prides itself on, on being a weird, different city. And the companies, you know, they've either you know, come from that tradition uh, and were, you know, started here or, or people moved here because they wanted to be part of this, you know, really exciting and, and this weird business culture that, that has really sprung up in Austin that, you know, it's been here for, for decades and has really, I feel like accelerated in, in the past 10 years. Yeah. And I feel like the person and company that we're profiling today really embodies both the mantra of business unusual, but also the culture of Austin. And they have quite a big presence in Austin. All right. Well, I've, I've been here for, I've been in Austin for about 15 years. So I feel like I, I have a pretty good knowledge of some of the local companies. So I'm excited to hear what you got prepared for, for episode one. All right. Well, for this episode, I know for a fact that you are going to know the company and probably most of you out there will know of this company. And you probably have some different opinions about the company itself and, and possibly even the founder who we're going to profile today. And that is John Mackey, who is the CEO and founder of Whole Foods Market. So Austin, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say that you have heard of Whole Foods. I have. I, I'm a fairly frequent shopper at Whole Foods. Um, there's one about a mile from my house. Uh, recently, about a year and a half ago, my wife and I moved a little further north from where we were. And one of the benefits was, you know, a Whole Foods was closer. So it's been nice to go there when, you know, I need, you know, more organic uh, or, you know, a rare ingredient that maybe uh, HEB or some other grocery store won't have. Yeah. And it's interesting with Whole Foods is it does have kind of a polarizing uh, sort of feel in the sense that some people love Whole Foods and are completely dedicated to going there all the time to get organic and and healthy foods. And other people complain about the prices. You know, it's no secret that Whole Foods is more expensive than your average grocery store. And today, as we learn about John Mackey, we'll actually kind of learn about why the prices are the way they are and why they're not going to change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of our old offices that Zoho had, we had a Whole Foods uh, in the first floor. And we used to go for lunch a lot of times to get, you know, a salad and, you know, something healthy to eat. 
And uh, one of our coworkers here always made the joke, um, whole paycheck. I think every time we checked out, he used to <laughs> yeah. call it that. So, uh, yeah, I, we're all very familiar with with the the price difference. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people are, think it's worth it and others, you know, sometimes aren't willing to pay. Well, let's dive right in. So as I mentioned, we're profiling, we're talking about John Mackey today, who's the CEO of Whole Foods Market, which he co-founded in 1980. And he has been named Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year back in 2003. And he is known as one of the most influential advocates in the movement for organic food. He's a one-time vegetarian, now vegan, and he's known for having controversial views from everything from politics to healthcare to unions and environment. But today we're really going to dive into how he grew Whole Foods Market to what it is today and Whole Foods Market is actually was included in Fortune Magazine's annual list of 100 best companies to work for every year since its inception, since the list inception in 1998. So he's obviously doing something right there to get on that list for decades. Yeah, I feel like every time I shop there, the employees, everyone from the you know, working the cash register to working behind the uh, the seafood department, you know, and giving you your fish and salmon, they're all you know very they seem happy. They seem like they're treated well. So that's encouraging to hear. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that as we, we go into this episode. So let me give you a little background first. So John Mackey, he was born in Houston, Texas, and he grew up in Texas and eventually attended UT Austin Trinity, where he studied philosophy and religion. So that was sort of his first venture from Houston into Austin. Now, while he was in college, he worked at a vegetarian co-op. And so as you can see, that sort of job and culture probably set in motion his ideas for healthy organic food, uh, especially in the vegetarian vegan sort of uh, world. Now, despite spending a few years on and off in college, he actually dropped out and decided to co-found his first health food store with his girlfriend, Renee Lawson, in 1978. Now, the name of that store was called Safer Way, which was actually a spoof on Safeway. And you can kind of get the the message from the name, Safer Way, implying that their food is better and, uh, of course, safer because it's healthier. Yeah, kind of taking some shots at the, the big players in the grocery store space. And we're going to start to see this sort of recurring theme as I, as I continue this story of the true entrepreneur hustle. Because John and Renee, his girlfriend and co-founder, they were actually evicted from where they first started for storing food products in their apartment where they decided to live and store their food. And so what they did as a true hustler is they moved into the store itself. So <laughs> it was a typical startup with the store on the first floor and they ran a health food restaurant on the second and they lived on the third. And because it was actually zoned for commercial use, there, were, there weren't things like a shower stall. So they actually would bathe using a water hose attached to the dishwasher. Wow. Just all the cliches of a, of a health food, grocery store, restaurant, uh, things of that nature. I think you're, you're touching them all. Living, living above it, showering with a hose, things like that. <laughs> yeah. And John, he has said, we were basically, you know, we were hippies selling food to hip, other hippies. And that was sort of the image and the style that they started this whole thing with. Yeah. And what city was this first store in? This was in Austin. This was in Austin. Okay. Yeah. So right from the very beginning, he started in Austin. And after two years as Saferway, they actually merged with Clarksville Natural Grocery. And it was at that time that they renamed 
the business to Whole Foods Market. So now moving forward in 1984, Whole Foods actually at this time was actually getting traction and they were starting to expand and they decided to expand outside of Austin. Of course, the time between 1984 to present day, we know that Whole Foods has just sort of organically expanded. And I don't really need, want to get into the story of the company itself expanding because there's a lot of interesting things that have happened sort of in between that time that point to why the company has been as successful as it has been. In 2009, Mackey actually resigned from the position of chairman of Whole Foods. And in 2017, Amazon purchased Whole Foods Market for 137 billion dollars. Yes, billion with a B. So going from a uh, a small store that they lived in back in 1978 to a $13.7 billion company, uh, clearly uh, Mr. Mackey has done something right as far as growing the business. Yeah, I think that's an understatement. I remember when that happened in, t- in 2017 and myself included, a lot of people were just like, what does what does Amazon want with Whole Foods? What's their plan? And, you know, we've kind of seen it come to uh, fruition in the past few years. Exactly. So it was quite a story then. And for those of us who are Amazon Prime members, you know, we get a extra discount at Whole Foods now, which is nice. Yeah. You always got to bring up that QR code at the checkout. Yep. Now it's not whole paycheck. It's whole paycheck minus a little Amazon discount, right? <laughs> $1.43. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive into how really Whole Foods transformed from a small, tiny shop that sells organic food called Saferway to an international giant, you know, Whole Foods Market. Well, Whole Foods was the first grocery chain to set standards for humane animal treatment and to set their own standards for the quality and the ingredients and the products that they sell. So Whole Foods Market sells only products that meet its self-created quality standards for being quote-unquote natural, which the store defines as minimally processed foods that are free of hydrogenated fats as well as artificial flavors, colors, sweeteners, preservatives, etc., a bunch of other things that are on their unacceptable food ingredients list. So they really started out with a different angle than any other store, you know, taking Safeway, for example, you know, we know, you know, Safeway along with many other common grocery store chains are kind of carrying a little bit of everything and they don't necessarily have those standards um, that Whole Foods has set out and has really remained true to since their inception. Uh, another example is that they don't carry foie gras or eggs from hens confined in battery cages due to animal cruelty concerns. Whereas at Safeway or any other grocery store for a long time, there was no messaging or uh, anything about organic or cage-free or anything. Today, we can go and see we have some options of cage-free or farm-raised versus sort of not, which implies factory farm, et cetera. Yeah, I I really feel like they almost created this whole new vocabulary at the grocery store um, by you know, not really inventing the words, but just calling them out. I think for for a lot of consumers, it was more like out of sight, out of mind, not really knowing, uh, didn't really bother them because it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't brought up. And so I feel like they started this whole new way of shopping and, and you know, putting it on shoppers' minds to, to think about these sort of things. Yeah, they really did. And I don't think, you know, shopping or buying organic was really even a thing until they started doing it. And as John said, you know, in the beginning, we were hippies only selling to other hippies. And they sort of created and built this market that almost didn't exist, mostly because we weren't aware of a lot of these health concerns. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned him living in a co-op, I believe. And it's very much like he had the 
the uh, insight and the ambition to take something that was happening all over the country in these small scale, and he saw an opportunity. Right. And, you know, another thing he did was, you know, and he talks about this, is really building a business and leading with love and acting with integrity. And for him, staying true to himself was, you know, this whole organic, healthy movement. And, you know, at the time, he mentions that Walmart was growing really big and opening a lot of super centers. And, you know, mainstream grocery stores wanted to compete. So they were opening more sort of warehouse looking stores. And what he saw there was a lot less personalization. So what he did was he kind of went the opposite direction. He went for opening beautiful stores and really marketing at his ingredients to people who are into health and, you know, middle-class women and really going the extra mile to ensure that his employees were extra nice and again, leading with love and acting with integrity. And I think that certainly set Whole Foods apart from your sort of average grocery store or, you know, the, the sort of stereotype of going into Walmart, which is very impersonal interactions. Yeah, I feel like we take for granted nowadays the the personalization, the small scale, the the you know caring for employee happiness. And, you know, sometimes we take that for granted as just an assumed part of doing business nowadays. But you know, back in the eighties, that was definitely not business as usual. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, it was just not happening. Yeah, one hundred percent. And one of the things he did, which is sort of a combination of both his approach to healthy food as well as a different elevated experience, was that. In an effort to allow customers full transparency in purchasing food from Whole Foods, they actually developed an in-store rating system for various departments. So now I'm going to give you a few examples. Under Whole Foods system, they use a six-point scale ranging from one to five plus to rate animal welfare standards of a given product. Uh, of course, you know one is still in the acceptable range of them. It doesn't mean it's you know a totally confined cow who doesn't have room to to move and is eating and and doing other things on top of other animals, right? Their one is still a separate standard from anything else. It's their own scale. The seafood department has a sustainability rating for wild-caught seafood versus wild farm-raised salmon, and it has to meet certain aquaculture standards. The meat department has a rating system in partnership with a global animal partnership uh, based on animal welfare. The produce department has a rating system based on farming practices, which include measures of the farm's environmental transparency, their GMO transparency, worker safety, and even wage practices. And uh, the grocery department actually has an eco-scale rating system for its cleaning products, which measures their environmental impact. So really across the board, they developed a system to be completely transparent with their customers. Now, Austin, I don't know if you've actually have never noticed this, but in doing the research for this episode, now I'm definitely kind of looking at this, these ratings and these starring systems when I actually go to Whole Foods. Yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, I, I definitely see the labels about wild versus farmed raised fish and things like that, but I don't think I've ever noticed the the ratings that you just uh, went through. Right. And, and so I'm definitely going to be paying more attention. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm getting that five. For sure. And, you know, they even have a policy, Whole Foods has a policy of donating 5% of its annual net profit for various charitable causes, you know, generally speaking in line with uh, the same causes that they embody in the store. Now, switching gears a little bit, we've talked a lot about how, you know, they're leading with a, a elevated customer experience and how they're really trying to create the, a message of health and wellness throughout their store. But John Mackey has done a couple of other different things too. And it reminds me a little bit of what you mentioned 
with uh, Chuck Feeney in an episode in uh, season one where he donated basically billions of dollars. It's not quite that severe, but in 2006, John Mackey announced that he was reducing his salary to $1 a year and would donate his stock portfolio to charity and set up a $100,000 emergency fund for, uh, for any staff facing personal problems. So in a letter to his employees, he wrote, I'm now 53 years old and I've reached a place in my life at which I no longer want to work for money, but simply for the joy of the work itself and to better answer the call to service that I feel so clearly in my own heart. So, you know, I tie it back to kind of what Chuck Feeney did, which is really at this point, I think he had decided, you know what, I've made enough money to me, the the way I can better serve my company and the customers of my company is to really just lead with my heart and not make decisions that have any financial implication to myself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not quite wanting to die broke as a billionaire, but it's pretty dang close. And it's it's pretty impressive when, when you see leaders uh, take this pledge and take this sort of, you know, change in their life, maybe. And, and, you know, not saying he wasn't generous before, but you're right. Once you reach that kind of level that many people work towards, uh, you know, an, another million, another 500 million, it's like, what, what does that, what does that buy me? Um, I'd rather turn around and, and help people and give to causes that, you know, embody the spirit of Whole Foods and in, in the, the store that he created, you know? Right. And, you know, I mentioned, I alluded to the fact that he was kind of a hippie before and uh, before starting Whole Foods. And it's interesting, even as Whole Foods continued to grow, you know, it was worth 11.7 billion in two, 2011 and it was sold for 13, you know, over 13 billion in 2017. John Mackey was actually known for his frugality. So he drove a five-year-old Honda Civic when the company was valued at $11 billion. And to this day, he's known for using, you know, low cost hotels and always flying commercial. And uh, this sort of uh, frugality reminds me of a certain CEO that we both know. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. And it, it's funny to me too, thinking about, you know, the way you're describing him, describing him now and coming from that co-op background and like really, I think as a, as a young 20 something, 30 something coming up like that, that probably, you know, really influenced him. And you know, maybe it was part of who he was already. And it just, uh, you know, that's the path he was going to take and unexpectedly built one of the biggest grocery stores in the country. Right. And, you know, it's, it's so funny because uh, Zoho CEO, Sridhar Vembu, he walks around wearing Zoho t-shirts that he obviously has gotten for free uh, from the company and uh, drives a Toyota Camry when he's here. And when he's in India, you know, lives very frugally in, you know, remote villages. So I think I see a lot of parallels there, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, Sridhar, a couple of weeks ago, you know, he gave this talk that I don't know if you watched it, but it was, um, it was like a podcast that he did. And I just, I was tuning in and it was just really inspiring to hear him talk about the, the beliefs he has and, you know, all the convictions he has towards living that way. And he can, he brought this point about why he, you know, now lives in a remote village. And one of the, the benefits that he sees is like not comparing yourself to, to the neighbors. And like, I think a big part of, um, the excess of wealth and the pursuit of, of that in, in America is seeing what your neighbor has and trying to constantly compete. But when you remove yourself from that situation, you can just focus on the work you want to do and, you know, the impact you want to have on this world. Well, 100% as we saw with Whole Foods, you know, rather than quote unquote, keeping up with the Joneses and uh, evolving his grocery store into those Walmart Supercenter styles, he did something completely different that was true to his heart and true to what he believed in. 
And we're going to get into another interesting similarity with Whole Foods and Zoho, which is that to help employees learn about products and really be on the ball, the company actually instituted uh, a mentor program and developed an online portal called Whole Foods Market University to Aid in Training. Ooh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, Zoho, our company, has what we call Zoho University, which does really the same thing, taking promising young men and women from high school or even college and training them up in sort of the Zoho way and, and letting them pursue their interests and really taking very fresh minds and molding them to a exploratory and learning culture uh, to become engineers or whatever or whatever they want to be. And it seems that Whole Foods has kind of implemented the same thing by really taking raw talent and putting them through their university and really molding them into enthusiastic and fun salespeople that we see all the way up the corporate ladder to, you know, people working in their offices, working on strict corporate strategy. Yeah. You know, what I really like about that is, is how much you can see the investment in people and the investment in long-term uh, thinking. And it's, um, you know, thinking that like, let's take people that want to be here that we think fit the company, company culture, and let's train them and educate them. And that way they stay with us for a long time and they, they learn things that we all, you know, have passion about and have an interest in. And that's like you, you know, we hit on earlier. That's something we take a pride in here at Zoho. Right. It's, it really goes back to leading with love and trust. And it's, it's, you know, if you invest in the person, then the person will likely invest in you. And, you know, one example in Whole Foods is they, they take a traditional approach to butchering and they have classically trained butchers and meat, meat cutters working in each of its meat departments. And they actually have an 18 month meat apprentice program for its team members to learn the art of butchery. So, I'd consider that a very significant investment of 18 months just to you and I, I would think butchery is, you know, uh, you, you go into a class for a day if there's something and you, you learn a little bit, but I would never have thought an 18 month apprentice program would be necessary for something like that. Yeah. But, but when you really think about it, you, you see a lot of the butcher shops, small town butcher shops, um, you know, it's like a family business and you know, the kids are brought up in it and it's like an apprenticeship from, one of the early days they can go in there. So it makes sense that this, you know, it's almost like a, a skill, a trade and uh, to see Whole Foods investing in that and not just treating it as something they have to check off a list just to get meat from the counter to um, somebody's shopping cart is, is very cool. Right. It's all about the details as they say. Right. And that's a very mm -hmm. important one. Now, Speaking of employees, you know, we, we've talked about their investment uh, in their employees as far as learning and this Whole Foods Market University. Like any company, you know, they also give their employees a discount, right? Employee store, store discounts and their base discount is 20% of all in-store purchases. But higher rates up to 30% can actually be earned based on an employee's physical fitness. And they actually have annual tests that they'll give to their employees. That's, of course, optional. But uh, if you you know feel like you want a bigger discount, it's really an incentive to keep their employees healthy. Yeah, I mean, if you're you know trying to sell sustainable foods, organic foods to the world, you really need your employees to to look the part. Exactly, and so John Mackey has really rolled out quite a few different initiatives that really we don't see at a lot of other companies. And, you know, he even co-founded the conscious capitalism movement, which really challenges business leaders to operate and think beyond just the bottom line. And I think a lot of decisions as we go through the decisions that he's made with Whole Foods, you really see that 
the impact, especially initially, is probably actually negative on the bottom line. Going for organic foods and really being uh, picky about the types of foods and the sourcing that you use obviously will result in higher costs, right? And those costs are, uh, as we've discussed, passed on to the customer. Uh, teaching of employees and, and educating them on their processes and really making sure that they are indoctrinated in that sort of culture. That costs money up front, right? John Mackey announcing that he was reducing his salary to a dollar. Again, personally costs money, but he wanted to be, to be motivated by the, the love of what he's doing. Uh, the rating systems, you know, everything. And it really goes to show you that sometimes you really just can't look at the bottom line for every decision that you make, but really look at the longer term picture. Yeah. I mean, data and numbers are great for many things, but a lot of times you have to make decisions based on intuition and beliefs and, you know, whatever it takes to turn maybe your company, not into just a grocery store, but, you know, an embodiment of healthy living. And I, I think what I'm hearing from you is he had that vision pretty early on and, and has done a lot of work throughout to, to turn Whole Foods into just, it's, a, it's an idea of living um, a healthy lifestyle, not so much just a place to buy produce and, and meat. You know, we saw this a lot in season one, which is that a lot of these successful entrepreneurs and executives, they follow an intuition and a calling to them that is not uh, like any anything else around them. And they really stand alone, you know, in their pursuit of building something with their own ideals and their own, you know, their own love and their own passion. And we saw that with John Mackey, you know, he rejected the idea of building a grocery store off of a model that was clearly working at the time and went completely the different direction, despite probably a lot of criticism from you know, your regular population that's used to going to the Walmarts and the Safeways and getting discount prices. And he built a culture that has really permeated the entire company and has resulted in, as you mentioned earlier on today's show, this sort of friendly, highly positive experience of going into a Whole Foods market. So. I want to challenge executives and entrepreneurs out there to really think about doing things differently when you're approaching problems. Maybe not always looking at the bottom line, but looking at how investing in your business and your employees can actually pay off in a big way over the long term. Yeah, I, I think one thing that comes to mind for me is this idea of doing the right thing or investing long term is more about building your legacy and building this thing that will outlast you, so to speak. And I think that's something that drives these people that we're profiling compared to just, you know, someone else that's just looking at um, dollars and cents on a spreadsheet. It's it's creating this thing that they're proud of and that is part of them. And it's it's a part of their heart and their their passion for, you know, what they find, you know, passion in and what they want to leave the world. Yeah. And I think, I think the moral of the story here is pursue what you love, pursue what you're passionate about. And if you do it with a lot of zeal and you make some smart decisions along the way and, and probably, you know, get a little bit of good luck, uh, you never know what you can build. And in this case, uh, John Mackey built a $14 billion plus company. Business Unusual is brought to you by Zoho, an enterprise platform that adapts to your company. From sales, marketing, and customer support to finance, human resources, and a low-code developer platform, Zoho Software Solutions address virtually every area of business. Go to zoho.com enterprise today and discover a refreshingly different way of doing business.